Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Good morning, my name is Joe, I'm one of the pastors here. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you today. And I have a question for you to start off with. Have you ever wondered why God does what he does? I mean, not just in the, the big stuff, not the, you know, the mysterious ways kind of stuff. But have you ever wondered why God does this stuff in your life and the life of those around you? As we look at this season that we're currently in, uh, in the life of River Life, why does he do the stuff that he does? Why does he bring healing to bodies? Why would he take 60 people in the last four or five weeks and say, you know what, I want you to go and stand up on that stage and say that I am Lord and get baptized in front of all these people. Why would he do that? Why, why, does, he, why does he send people into a juvenile prison and say, I want you to tell these people who have no hope that there is hope? Why does he do all these things? Why does the Holy Spirit move in our midst in gifts and power and do things that we don't really understand and maybe that we can't explain? Why does God do these things? Well, today I want to talk about that because I think if we can get a handle on why God does these things, it's going to help us know what he wants to do in and through each one of us. I think if we can get, at least for me, and hopefully this is for you too, if we can get our head around the why, we become more comfortable with the how, and just maybe he might do it in us. And just maybe he might do it through us. Because I think he desires for each one of us to know why he does what he does. It's not a huge thing for you to work out. It's actually a gift that he wants to give you. And I thought I'd share a little bit of my story to help us get our heads around that. If that's okay. Great, good. So Brand's the one who said yes, except someone over here and he already knows it, so it's going to be a bit awkward. But I'm not going to belabor the point. But as, as I grew up following Jesus, and I've talked about this before, uh, knew all about him, loved the Bible, did all that, didn't like it when he did stuff. Like, well, what, how does that work? I liked it when he did the deep and quiet inside stuff. You know that stuff. You know, it's like, thank you, Lord. The salvation stuff's good because it's not challenging. It's just like, oh, yeah, I, I, I read that in the Bible. That's good. Great. The deep, quiet stuff is really exciting. Peace. That's a good one to pray for. Peace is not overly challenging. But when God starts to do stuff that challenged me, when he started to do the stuff that was a bit more uncomfortable, the stuff that I like to skip over, particularly in the book of Acts, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to to manage it. I didn't know what to do to wrestle through it. And honestly, um, I couldn't understand why God would do something that I couldn't understand. (laughs) One of the application points at the end is going to be about humility. Just warning you now. And that may be just for me. But I don't understand why he would do something I couldn't understand. And then as I started to wrestle with uh, learning about who God was and what it is that he was like, I realized that as someone who is infinitely, ultimately other, 
As in, he's not just a really super good human. He's actually different, even though we're made in his image. I had to give him the credit that maybe he would do things that I didn't understand. What's your experience of that? Is your experience of what God does, it's really good when he does this thing here that I can cope with, but surely he wouldn't do something that I couldn't. Or is your perspective of God, I don't know what belongs in the he can do it box, and so I'm just exploring this for a moment. Well, I want to help us work out what belongs in the this is God's stuff box. Because it was a wrestle for me. It was a wrestle as God started to move, as people started to fall down, as people started to stand up, as people started to pray in languages that uh, weren't their own, weren't another one that I could work out, that if I Googled it, it didn't come up as anything. I, I didn't know what to do when people started to, well, cry in church, but crying in church was fairly common. It's the laughing in church, which makes me uncomfortable. Anyone else? And then when God makes you start to laugh in church, that's very uncomfortable. I didn't want to step into a place of risk with God because I wasn't confident that he would show up. And so a lot of my prayers were, if it's your will, God, have you ever prayed that prayer? It's like a get out of jail free card, right? I'm just going to say this up front because if it goes pear-shaped at the other end, I asked him if it was his will and if it was obviously not. If it's your will. What that does is that it caused my faith to be weak and circumstantial. And I had no confidence when I was faced with the challenges of life in mine or in others. My faith was hesitant and conditional. But then, in the way that God likes to do, and if you've been on a journey similar to mine, then you know what I'm talking about. He starts to have people ask you questions. His questions to get his answers. Why do you do things that way? What do you think about what God does and why he does it? How do you feel when God does something that makes you feel uncomfortable? And the revelation I think I got from him, uh, I can't remember who said it, the revelation bump, you know, the, oh. Have you had those moments where you work something out and you go, oh, what was I thinking? One of the things that the Lord showed me, I think, and this might help you, and that's where I want to take us today, is that when he does these things, it's all for his glory. It's all for his glory. Now, I wrestled with that, because why would he do those things that don't seem to make sense, yet he does it for his glory? Now, I want to take us to a scripture today, and then we'll talk through that, but he does the stuff that he does because it's for his glory. There's this little kind of shorthand phrase that we use in our leadership team. Uh, it's not a vision statement. It's not something we'd ever put on the wall. It's kind of like just a shorthand phrase that reminds us that this is what any church should be about anytime, all the time throughout history, that we glorify God by making disciples. That's what the church is here to do. That God is lifted up by us becoming more like him. Yes? Make sense? If this is news to you, come chat. If you've been a follower of Jesus and that doesn't make sense, come follow, come chat to me and follow me. There you go, like that. Follow me as I follow him. That's what Paul said. We'll see what that looks like at the end of this message. But at a basic level, we get that. Okay, we, we, we become more like Jesus. 
We know, you know, if you've been around kids' church maybe, or if you grew up uh, around people who did RI, you might have heard that verse in Hebrews that says, without faith it's impossible to please God. Okay, I have to believe in him and it makes him happy. Yeah, great. But what does it look like to go beyond that? How is everything that we see happen by his hand for his glory? Why I think it's absolutely essential that we start to capture this at the core of who we are is that the verse I'm going to share means that when he does things for his glory, other people see it. Other people are impacted by it. And there's flow and effects. So if you've got your Bible there, we're going to open up to John chapter 12. I'm just going to read one little passage out of John chapter 12. It's in uh, the section that starts in verse 27. But just before I read this out, uh, I just want to apologize because the Lord's had this in my heart and my head for about the last five or six weeks. So if I've prayed for you in the last five or six weeks, I've probably prayed this prayer for you because it just keeps coming up. So it was heartfelt and meaningful, but I also can't get it out of my head. So hopefully today that's going to help that process. But it's this moment right before the Last Supper where Jesus is, uh, the plot to kill Jesus is coming together. He's just come into Jerusalem. He's doing his week of teaching uh, in Jerusalem before the crucifixion. And he's having this conversation with a bunch of people, some, some Greeks who have come to find him as well. And, and he says this in verse 32. And I, says Jesus, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, in verse 32, I will draw all people to myself. And and this caught my attention. And it constantly catches my attention for a few reasons. Because John, the gospel writer, doing what he does so wonderfully throughout his gospel, is that he's being intentionally ambiguous. As it says in the next verse, John kind of lets us know, really, in case we missed the point, that by this Jesus was talking about his crucifixion, which was about to happen. But John knows it's not just the crucifixion. Because he talks about being lifted up, and and anytime Jesus talks about being lifted up, yes, he's talking about being lifted up on that cross. But think about what's going to happen to Jesus in about the next seven weeks from this point, maybe eight. He's going to be lifted up on a cross. He's going to be lifted up to the right hand of the Father. He's going to be lifted up out of the grave even before that. He's going to be lifted up as people start to tell, like on the day of Pentecost, what has happened. But John wants us to know that this lifting up of Jesus in every way and in every place that it happens has got an impact. Something happens when Jesus is lifted up on the cross, out of the grave, to glory with the Father, in our hearts, in our lives. Something happens when Jesus is lifted up. And why I believe this is connected to the glory of God, well, let's read the passage, picking back up in verse 27, as Jesus is talking. And now my soul is troubled, he says. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, talking about the crucifixion. But for this purpose... I have come to this hour, he says. Father, glorify your name. 
Then a voice comes from heaven. Man, what a prayer meeting. A voice comes from heaven and says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. That's a prayer meeting where God actually just speaks out the response to your prayer, right? The crowd that stood there heard, they heard it said, uh, the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. And so the crowd answered him. We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? And Jesus said, the light is amongst you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in light, in darkness, doesn't know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become children of light. This moment of Jesus saying... When I'm lifted up, I'll bring everyone to myself, is set right in the midst of the Father receiving all the glory that he desired from sending his Son to the earth. There's something about this which is powerful and central. It's interesting, too, that God chooses to glorify his own name and that he uses what is possibly one of the most horrific acts of history to do so. So that any people of any nation, of any background, of any creed, of, of any persuasion and perspective will have the opportunity to be drawn to him. And so is glorified. I think what Jesus wants us to know that as Jesus is lifted up, God is glorified. That's the key. So what does that mean then? Let's unpack that a little bit and let's not get too technical because I don't want to bog us down. Glory gets used a lot in the New Testament, right? If you've read any of it, Paul loves to just throw that word glory in. It gets used in the, in the, the, the crucifixion story often. Throughout Acts, it's used. It means in the context of the New Testament, glory, this word doxa, that's why we get the word doxology, which we sung earlier. Noah, my son, was like, hey, this song's called doxology. I said, yeah, that's what I'm actually talking about today. Glory, the glory of God, the understanding and the engagement, the learning of God's glory. I mean, something or someone who has magnificent splendor, greatness, shininess, I like that, prestige, something majestic. And when you turn it into a verb... When Jesus says, I'm going to glorify the Father, it actually means for you to influence someone else's opinion about someone else. To make their reputation increase. And I love that idea that the glorifying God actually causes others to think more highly of him. That's the point. We lift him up so that others go, oh, is that actually what God's like? Oh, Wow. I didn't understand that God was that amazing. I hadn't experienced. This is what glorifying God means. It means we do stuff and we recognize stuff that demonstrates the greatness of his reputation. It's pretty cool. I think that's good. So why that's important? Well, let's step back into our context right now. 
into 2022, Rive Life, what we're seeing the Lord do, what we're hearing the Lord say. What do you think about when you see what he's doing in our midst? When you hear Pastor Grant get up at the start of the service and share about the people who are going to go to school, his mission, and clean up vomit because a bunch of school leavers have decided to go and party too hard and get too messed up and someone needs to be there to help them. We can think all sorts of things. But what do you think when you hear about people putting themselves in that place? Do you think, wow, God, I'm impressed that you would do something so powerful in someone's life that they would willingly put themselves into that position? Wow. 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 I think I'm going to tell someone about that. Because this is the thing. Let's just recap the last little while. I have three teenagers out of my four children. Number four is not a teenager yet, but she's working hard at it. And last weekend, my teenage children came to a conference about sharing Jesus with others, along with 200 other teenagers. Wow! Like, what? That is for his glory. That is for his glory. When at that same conference, a bunch of 12-year-olds who are doing a grade 6 discipleship course decide to take it upon themselves to become the prayer team and start to give prophetic words and pray for healing for anyone that they can find, that's for his reputation. Now, I get uncomfortable. I'm like, who's discipled them? Is that a good prophetic word? Do they know how to do that? But actually, this isn't the point. The point is they're hearing from God, and it's for his glory. We do this as families. We don't have to worry about how we help grow them. That's what we're doing as we do this. The fact is it's for his reputation. When we put Jesus front and center, every time that cross that was on the screen before, it's not currently hanging there now, but we had it on the screen. Every time that cross is put there, and we're reminded that people like you and me tortured and crucified the Son of God. And he did it for people like you and me. It's for his glory. Every time we hear of a need because someone was in a flood or they're they're in brokenness or they're in loss and, and, and stress when the circumstances of life have come upon them and we stop and take the time to love them well, it's for his glory. When those passionate people in our midst cheer and shout and holler, do things very unbaptist. It's for his reputation. It's not for them. A prayer is that none of us will be able to contain the joy and the excitement. It doesn't have to all look and sound the same, but it's all for his glory. That when we put aside our preferences our way of doing things and say, oh, I think that looks like God breaking into someone's life. And we go, thank you, Lord. It's for his glory. And in this time and in this place with what he's stirring up and with what he's doing, I do not want us to miss the invitation to recognize the work of the Father through Christ the Son by the power of His Spirit. And whether I like it or not, whether I can understand it or not, whether I'm comfortable with it or not, God, it's for your glory. Because when we see you at work, 
you will draw all people to yourself. And that's your promise, Jesus, not mine. I don't have to do it. As I lift you up, you will draw people to yourself. We sing a song because you were raised from the dead. I wasn't. I am again now because you were. And because of that, you're lifted up and your glory comes. Jesus says something in John 17. I wasn't going to go there, but I think I need to. He says something that makes me very uncomfortable. And I hope it makes you uncomfortable too, because I don't know what to do with it. Jesus says in John 17, Father, the glory you've given me, I have given them, my disciples. Great, the 12 apostles. Yes, right scripture. Well done, guys. Sorry, it's just after the bit where he says, I don't just pray for these ones here, but for all who would come and follow you because of me. Jesus says, God, you've given me your glory and I've given it to them. I don't know what to do with that, but I think maybe he's going to draw all people to himself. What if we gave him the glory? What if our unity of heart and desire to lift him up was all for his glory? So, I feel like there's three simple things that we've got to do. Well, you can do if you want. It's actually up to you. I can't make you do anything. That we stop and we recognize how good he is. That we go, God, you're working in our midst, and thank you. Wow. God, you're amazing. I may not get it. I may not like it. It might be happening to me. It might be happening through me. It might be happening around me, but it's all for your glory, and I choose to praise you today. Step one. We're going to do all this in the tea. Step two. We humble ourselves. We humble ourselves to let God do what he wants to do. Maybe he wants to do things that we don't yet understand, but he wants to do things that are beyond what you can ask, think, or imagine. We humble ourselves to go, God, far be it from me or you to decide what it is that the Father can do. And like it says in Hebrews 6, in our humility, I think we are trained in our powers of discernment to know that it is God moving and working. We trust him to work in our midst. We praise him by recognizing what he's doing. We humble ourselves to trust that maybe he's doing more than we can ask, think, or imagine. And thirdly, we give him permission to do what he wants to do in us so that he can do what he wants to do through us so that he is lifted up, so that he draws all people to himself. It's really simple. It's that moment where we just lay our lives before him, where in prayer we daily give ourselves to him to do as he sees fit for his glory. And in that way that doesn't make sense because his glory has been given to us when we do that. I truly believe when we do that, earnestly out of obedience like Ada said before during the giving if we do it even just in the secret place of our heart to go God I choose to do this for your glory he's going to do that unfathomable unknowable supernatural thing where he will draw people to himself I'm going to start at the end and lead us in a prayer of just surrendering ourselves to him then in our time of worship I suggest that maybe the Lord's moving in your heart that this is a time of just humbling ourselves before him of choosing to trust him 
and his ways regardless of our circumstances so that we might daily praise him and give him glory. Would you stand with me as I pray? encourage you to posture your heart in a way if you're willing to that you would just surrender your your internal processes your life afresh to him but let's pray Lord Jesus today thank you that we can understand what you do we thank you Lord that when we see what's happening and we know it's for your glory, Lord, it helps us understand why these things happen. And Lord, as we lay our lives before you, I think that's the how these things happen. When surrendered people give you permission to do what you want in their life, Lord, your kingdom breaks in, your kingdom grows, your kingdom advances because Jesus, you are made great. So for myself and all those who would agree with me today, can hear my voice, whether in the lounge room at home, watching this on a Thursday morning, even today and Sunday in the room, whenever we're hearing this, Lord, I and for everyone who agrees with me, choose to lay our lives afresh before you. Jesus, all that I know of me, my desires and my plans, my successes and my failures, I lay it all before you afresh, Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come and do what you need to do to set me straight, to set us straight, to set us right, to fix our eyes on Jesus. Would you strengthen us so that we can humble ourselves. That we can put aside the things that distract us and in unity, Lord, we can lift your name high together because you do the things, Lord, that you need to do to glorify your name. And I don't want to miss it, Jesus. I don't want to miss out. So Lord, I just give you my life afresh today. Maybe for you listening right now, it's the first time I've ever prayed this, but offer him your life right now and he'll take it and he'll set it right and he'll save you now and for all eternity. Jesus, we offer our lives to you afresh today. And our offering is for your glory. And our lives are for your glory. So come, Holy Spirit, and have your way. Spirit of Jesus, do what you need to do that the Father will be glorified. Jesus, we lift you up. We lift you up. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.